It just makes me so happy to see you guys standing up clapping for that. Because if the Christians can't stand up and clap for the fact that we can have peace in the storm, then my goodness, we're going to start hearing the rock scream. I mean, we belong to Christ. And, and, and we kind of mixed things up a little bit earlier, didn't we? So I'm going to ask the choir to bear with me again. We're the Christians. Jesus is saying in a statement that we read earlier that he is the light of the world. You're not in darkness anymore. Are you out there this morning? Are you smiling? Are you frowning? Because, listen to me, we are set free by Christ. We are not to be grumpy. We're to be excited. We're to be exuberant. We're to stand up and applaud when we hear the message that, that we can have peace in our storms. You only have so much time here. And you have to make a decision with the little bit of time that you have what you're going to do with that time. Are you going to be grumpy and miserable? Or are you going to claim your identity and who God says you are and be a happy, excited, joyous child of light? I want everybody to close their eyes. We're not even getting to the sermon yet. Take your hand and put it on your heart. Hopefully you feel something. If you don't, we'll do a resurrection service after this. But all of us feel something, don't we? Each one of us has been given so many heartbeats. God knows the exact number of heartbeats that he has put in your chest. And the reality of it is, as you continue to close your eyes and as you continue to feel your beating heart, the reality of it is, as each one of those heartbeats is singing a message. It's either singing a message of praise to God or a message of rebellion. And if you're sitting in this room right now claiming to be a child of the light and your heart is not rejoicing and beating in messages of praise to God, then you need to take a deeper look at your heart. Because we have been set free. We have been redeemed. We are the children of light. So, Father God, as we think about the messages that you're sending to us, Lord, as we think about the worship songs that we sing with each one of our heartbeats, God, we pray that you would help our hearts to be in the right place. We pray, God, that you will speak a message to us that will cause us to rejoice and to not rebel, to not embrace darkness. When we think about it, God, you put 33 years of heartbeats into Jesus, your son. 
In 30 of those heartbeat years, you, you use that as a time to prepare Christ for those three years of heartbeats that He would do ministry, ministering to us for those three hours of heartbeats on the cross. And never ever has there been heartbeats as loud as the ones as when his heart beat, his blood poured out. 33 years of life. 30 years of training for three hours of purpose. And three days later, that heart began to beat again. us. Singing a song of praise to you so that we could forever sing songs of praise to you. This morning, church, what is the heartbeat song that your heart sings to the Lord? Is it rebellion? Or is it praise? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus said that I am the light of the world. Simple statement. I am the light of the world. If you know me, you don't know darkness. And so if we say we know Jesus, then that means we know light. And so I ask you this question, what is, what is Jesus trying to say when he says, I am the light? Well, in order for us to understand light, we may want to take a little bit of time and look at what darkness is. Because the word of God tells us that, that if, we're, if we're not in the light, we're in the darkness. If we're in darkness, we're not in the light. And one thing we learn, and we all know, as we learn to switch on a light switch, that darkness and light cannot exist in the same place. And that when you're really in the light, it exposes everything from the, 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 the stain on your white shirt that, that you can't see in, in other lights. You know what I'm talking about. We all go to work with them, don't we? And then we pray no one sees them. But it's amazing because the light exposes flaws. It exposes our brokenness. It exposes us for what we really are. And what we find in the scripture passage today is that men are actually pretty dark. You see, darkness is the absence of anything from the light spectrum. It's, it's amazing because very few of us actually in our lifetime will ever truly experience absolute darkness. When you think about it, at night when you, when you lay down and you close your eyes and your eyes adjust and it seems like you can see better all of a sudden, there's this, this thing that goes on in our, in our eyesight and the deep purples and the deep colors that, that we actually can see more than we realize. But true darkness is the absolute absence of light. And I remember one morning I woke up to go hunting. I'm a hunter and I was going duck hunting. And, and this was at my wife and I's old farmhouse that we had that had this beautiful bay window in our, in our walkway outside of our bedroom. 
And I remember waking up that morning and there was this beautiful moon and I could see the moon fully and I could see the source of the light. But the reality of it was it was dark where I was at because I was trying to be respectful and I was trying to keep from waking up my wife. And so I stumbled around half asleep. I grabbed my pants, throw it on my clothes, and I take off towards the door right into the corner of the door. It met me right in the forehead. You can laugh. It's okay. Remember, we're the people of joy and happiness, right? I smack ran right into the corner of the door, knocking myself unconscious, falling to the ground. I was really out of it. I remember moaning and growing and hearing my caring wife saying, what are you doing? I said, I think I walked into the door. See, the reality of it was is I saw the light, but I wasn't living in the light. And because I wasn't living in the light, I started to think I was all good to go. And I took off in a direction and ran smack into an object that really hurt bad. (laughs) All of that to say is I think there's a lot of us in this room who can see a light outside of our window. And we think we're living in the light, but we're actually still living in darkness. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's going to equal a headache. And no ducks. We're either in darkness or we're in light. We can see darkness. We can see light. But where are you living? I remember in college, we used to take students to a place called the Bear Cave. And inside the Bear Cave is, is this, this area known as the Eye of the Needle. I should have known that something was, was going to be up because it led from a place called the Serpent Sanctum down through the Eye of the Needle into what is known as the Underground Waterfall. We're about a mile into this cave. And as the part of the experience, we would tell the students to turn off their lights because in a cave, it's one of the few places on earth that you truly can experience what it is like to not have light. And, and so all the students behind me are turning off their lights. And, and what the eye of the needle was, was it was like this 50-yard long little chamber that was about this big or so. They say in caving, if you can get your head through, you can get your whole self through. That, that's true for most of us. If you can get your head through something, you can, you can get through. And so this serpent sanctum was a tube 50 yards long going through the center of the earth about, mm, that was little. And so I worked myself up in there, and you go feet first because at the other end there's this little rock that you catch when you come out of there um, that you step on. If not, there's like a little drop that goes over the edge. And I remember I had my headlamp on and it was, you know, you could see every particle of breath coming out of you because when you have light in darkness, it is amazing how bright a little light can actually be. And so here I am in this little tube and I'm shimmying my way down the tube and something catastrophic happens to me. I sneezed. Okay? Some of you are going, ooh, that's gross. There's germs everywhere. I'm not even worried about the germs. Because you see, there's a very distinct motion when you sneeze. And my headlamp shattered. I'm glad I just told all the students behind me to turn their lights out. Because now I can't really even shout in the cave, because if you remember anything about caving, you can cause the earth to actually move through the vibrations of your voice. And so I'm terrified. I'm in darkness. I'm encased in the earth. I'm in a tomb. And I'm going to tell you right now, I probably look like a ninja shimmying down through that thing trying to get out. 
Because the reality of it was, when you experience true darkness, there is a fear that grips over us. I'm an adventurer, the day is long, but when I experience that, I know the number one rule, don't panic. But when I couldn't see anything, I panicked. I, my eyes were completely open and I could not feel. I could feel my hand in front of my face, but I could not see it. There was no light. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. And so finally, as I'm shimmying down, I remember my feet came to the point where they came out over, and I thought, fantastic, and I pushed myself out, and I completely missed the little ledge that I was supposed to hit and fell on my face. And then I hear, you okay down there? And the room illuminated. And one of the people, 50 yards away, turned on their headlamp, a little light, a wee little light. You know those ones you go camping with and you can't even see anything because they're so dull? Someone turned one of those on 50 yards away and I could see the entire chamber that I was in. Do you know who the most powerful person in a dark place is? Martin Luther King Jr. points this out to us. He says it's the guy with the light. Listen to me. We are living in a dark place. And Jesus Christ is the light. And if you're not living in the light, you're still living in darkness. No matter how much you think you can see, no matter how far you can see away, unless you are in the light, you are in darkness. Are you tracking with me this morning? See, Jesus in our story this morning says, I am the, and if you have your Bible, I just want to encourage you to turn there with me right now to, to John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know what's amazing about this portion of Scripture is that, that Jesus is, is teaching that lesson. He's making this statement in a very strategic time. You know, one of the things we always tell you is that Jesus was teaching in the temple, and, and we never show you the temple. So I, I put a graph up, our little picture of the, of the temple. And what we're looking at is the second temple. This is what the temple would have looked like around the time of Jesus. And if you look, there's kind of that, that bigger structure and towards the top right. And then there's that kind of open courtyard towards the middle to the left where those little golden doors are. That's a courtyard known as the Court of Women. And so what that is, is it's a place where people would come and, and they would bring offerings and tithes and they would bring their, their, their payment to help keep the church going. They would buy pigeons for the cleansing of women after they had given birth and, and they would pay for wood for the altar. And, and basically it was a very busy section of the temple. And so this is like, this is like the, the Minton Commons of the temple. Everybody and their brothers in the cafe, everybody's going somewhere, but they're all coming through this one particular spot. So when Jesus teaches, he doesn't accidentally go, oh, I think I'll teach now. He maximizes his potential by being in this court. And not only that, he picks a very specific time of year to do it. Because you see, the time that Jesus is teaching is at one of the great festivals, it's called the Festival of Tabernacles. Some of your Bibles may refer to it as the Festival of Booths. The reason they call it the Festival of Booths is because one of the parts of this is Israel remembers their time in the wilderness, so they literally build like these little booth shacky things, and they live in them for a couple of days, and they praise God for it as part of that celebration. But two other things that they do, which are the main parts of this celebration, the first one is, is they pour uh, water around the altar, 
just representing the life that has come through the harvest that has just happened. And they're praising God through the way that he offers life. And one of the other things that happens at this feast is they bring these candelabras. If you look, there's like these four little squares. Uh, you can only see three of them, but there really are four. And what they do inside, they bring, they bring out these candelabras that, that, that are just massive. They're massive. And you have to remember, Israel in this time does not have a public works department. Okay? They don't have a highway patrol or a PennDOT. So when you go outside, there's no public lighting. There's not just people who are taking something as precious as a candle and just burning it all night so that everybody can see where they live. No. Unless you had a purpose for the light, you kept it out. So that I, I want to paint that image. If you can, at all in your mind, see a very dark, dark environment at night. Now, there's still light because of the moon and the stars, and they're probably seeing more stars than we ever did. And so what happens here in the temple is they light these gigantic lanterns, these gigantic candles. And all through the commentaries, it tells us that, that when, when the Feast of Tabernacles was going on and, and the temple lit these, these things, that all of Jerusalem was illuminated. Now, for you and I to go down on light-up night to Pittsburgh, hey, it's just a thing. But imagine if you could never see Pittsburgh at light at night because all the lights were out except for once a year. This is the night that Jesus decides to go to the busiest place in town and say, I am the light of the world. Think about the power in that. Here's this man. He's claiming to be God because when he makes that statement, it points out a couple of things. And the first thing is, it's a divinity claim. He claims to be the son of God. And when he says that he is the light of the world, he's saying these candles will burn out, but this one never will. If you want to walk in the light, walk with me. Jesus makes a claim to be the Son of God, and it angers the Pharisees. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not even valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testified on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I come from and for where I'm going. Do you see, Jesus knows who he is. Listen to me, church. You are not your job. You are not defined by where you live. You're not defined by how much money you make. The only definition, the only identity that matters for any one of us is who God says we are. If you want to have some self-confidence, come to the realization that God claims you as his. He says you're one of his, that you're his child. That is where you should find your identity. You're not a mom. You're not a dad. You're a child of God who's been blessed to be a mother. You're a child of God who's been blessed to run this corporation. You're a child of God who's been blessed to do this. That is where your identity and as harsh and as cold as this may sound, if any one of those things is taken away from us, we should still be able to find hope in our Abba because he is the light of the world. Does that make sense? 
You are a child of God. If you walk in the light, let that be where you get your identity. Because that's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. Well, you can say I'm not the son of God, but the reality is, is I know what my dad said about me, and I am. Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is still valid, for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from, Jesus says, or where I'm going. You judge by human standards, and I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father, the one who sent me. In your own law, it is written that testimonies of two men is valid, and I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who had sent me. You see, the Pharisees revealed the second thing that this statement reveals. As they began to challenge Jesus, as they began to scoff with him and, and attack him. The first thing is, is Jesus was making a divine claim. The second thing is that the condition of the men's heart, the condition of our hearts, really is darkness. Remember, darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is the presence of sin. Sin is rebellion to God. And so if we're living not with heartbeats of praise, but heartbeats of rebellion, we're living in sin. And we need to come to the realization that our hearts are actually dark. But here's what's amazing. When we live in darkness, there becomes this fear of the light. We've all seen those different movies where people are moving out of the caves into the light and they do that whole vampire thing and there's this ultimate fear of stepping into the light just because we don't know or we're, we're uncertain. And the reality of it is, is our human condition is comfortable with the darkness. We love to be hidden. We love to hide our blemishes. That's why when you look at Facebook, everybody has the fakest profile you could ever possibly imagine. If we honestly believe Facebook, there would be world peace and, and everybody would be the happiest person on the planet and there would never be a divorce on the face of the planet because I mean everybody's happy they're going to the park they're swimming at the pool and everybody's always smiling that's not real is it because the reality of it is, is just before we took that Facebook picture brother one and brother two were beating each other half to death that's real Life is real, and we're real. We're humans. And the reality is, if we're humans, it's our natural desire to go to darkness because we're ugly. But God's saying, you don't find your identity in who the world says you are. You don't find your identity in those fleshly things because I'm telling you, the reality is, Jamie, that you're not ugly. In fact, you're beautiful. You're one of mine. So come into the light. Get out of the dark. Leave that behind. Don't be afraid. Because the reality of it is, is when we first step into darkness, it may hurt and it may sting our eyes, but the reality is, is also, as we adjust and our, and our eyes come to the realization of everything that we can see, the light is so much more beautiful than the darkness. Can you imagine going to an art museum and it's just black? There's no light? Think about the beauty that you would be missing simply because you were not living in the light. And I'm going to tell you right now, God desires for you to live in the light. He made a divine claim. He made a divine claim. He revealed the condition of our sinful hearts. And the third thing that Jesus says when he says, I am the light, is he is inviting us as people of darkness to step into the light and follow that. You may be in a place in your life where you can see the moon outside the bedroom door. 
and, and you're, you're attempting to head in that direction, fantastic. But until you are in the light of Jesus Christ, until you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you have a corner of a door waiting for you, and it's going to hurt. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he invites us to follow him. He didn't say, you be the light of the world. He said, I'm the light of the world. Follow me. You know how fun it is after you break your headlamp to not have to be in charge anymore and just simply follow someone out of the cave? It allows you to enjoy the trip. Christians, enjoy the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you on the cross. Have fun living for him. Come on, smile. Be excited about this freedom that we have. I mean, not only that, you have been born in the freest, greatest country ever. We have more biblical knowledge and more opportunity to do more for the kingdom of God, but yet this generation and this group of people are doing less than anybody in history. Let's change that. Let's stop worrying about having our own little lights and let's start following the light of God and following him out of darkness. Close your eyes. Put your hand on your heart. I want to leave you with this question. Is your heart beating in darkness? Or is your heart worshiping in light? God, speak to us. Minister to us. You are the light of the world. And just as you spit in the dirt and and made the blind see, God, you even said to that man, I am the light of the world. And you're saying to us right now as you communicate to us, I am the light of the world. Let go of darkness. Follow me. Let's go have a blast. God, help us to follow you. To not worry about pleasing man, but to worry about worshiping you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.